You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Thank you, Mike Ross. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Leaf Sky episode number 58. Jim Taddy with you for the next 30 minutes or so. Our guest interview today is Gus Katsaros from McKean's Hockey and NBC Sports Edge. We're going to talk about the Leafs lineup as it's starting to evolve right in front of our eyes. Three exhibition or preseason games in the books. Three to go, and then it's on to the season home and season opener for the Leafs against the Habs on October 13th. Excitement is in the air. Before we get there, week three of football is in the books. And now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Place a bet of $1 on any game this week to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not available in your area, DraftKings still has huge Huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action and a trick question here. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code, what is it? That's the trick question. THPN. Yes, guy, it's THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. The promo code is THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the hockey story. And certainly, after the first three games, the headline is being written by Michael Bunting, who's doing a nice job as four goals and is a regular fixture on the preseason power play and looks very good. But what does all this mean and who else fits in on the roster as they do that massive audition on the left side? Well, check out our conversation with Gus Katsaros from McKean's Hockey and NBC Sports Edge. Okay, Gus, welcome aboard. Let's talk about the audition on the left side. And, and clearly, after a couple of games and, and four goals, Michael Bunting leads the list. Uh, Kasha, Richie, Robertson, Gusev, Hosang, Mikheyev, all there. But Bunting, to me, looks like a fit, uh, regardless of the goal scoring, just by the way he plays. What's your take on him? So I think that what you're seeing from Bunting is a, a bit of a cautionary tale. What we're seeing is a phenomenal offensive skill set. We saw um, we saw that on display last year with Arizona, but there's a caveat here. Last year, he was shooting over 20%. Every 20 to 30 shots are going into the net for every 100 shots that he takes. That is an unsustainable pace. But at the same time, it's one of the reasons why he was signed with Toronto. There's a skill set that is involved with how they would like to structure their offense. So it's not so much his past results. It's more so about how he can complement and supplement the offense up front. So it's nice to see a hat trick in preseason. And I don't want to take anything away from an NHL game, but it is still a preseason game. And he wasn't put in the same situations that he was put in last year with Arizona. He won't get that same situation here in Toronto. 
Um, he may not necessarily get the same ice time for him to be able to produce that. Um, and at the same time, while there are complementary features to his skill set, um, the prime focus is still Matthews Marner, Tavares, and Nylander, and everything else is just supplemental. So while Bunting, I think, probably has the lead spot to be on that first line left wing, that's not necessarily etched in stone. And even game to game and uh, I mean, shift to shift, we might see a lot of play within that left wing spot. Sheldon Keefe really juggled Zach Hyman last year. Much of that had to do with because he was just Zach Hyman. But at the same time, it shows that you can kind of put anybody on that left wing role. And Matthews and Marner, if playing together, which I don't really think that they should, but that's something for a little bit different. Yeah. Um, uh, there, It just seems like it's an open audition for the entire season. Well, and I agree with you because I think a lot of people have uh, Bunting playing with Tavares uh, early on, and, and you're talking about him playing with Matthews and Marner. My, so here's my my issue is that when I look at, at the cast, and there's a cast of people auditioning for that left side, I, I try to figure out who could play at the Leafs' pace because that's not that's not for everybody. So guys like uh, Cashin and Richie, I, I see, would be really good down low offensively, but it's the previous 185 feet that would bother me because I don't know that they could play with that that same pace that the Leafs do. And the other question is, I mean, these guys aren't really here to score. They're they're here to score some goals, but I mean, the scoring is on the other side. It's on the center and on the right side. So uh, you're not there to compete with those guys. You're there to support them. So I, I just, I don't, I think bunting, definitely bunting is on the team. The rest of them, I don't, I don't know exactly how that works. So I, if I had to make a guess, um, I would think that this might probably be the last for Nikita Gusev. I don't think that he can maintain the same type of pace that Toronto wants to play. That's not necessarily saying that he's not a productive player, but he's on a professional tryout. So I'm yeah. going to assume that he's, out of the picture. I think that Bunting and Richie as a platoon might be that first line left wing. And Richie is in there with whatever the circumstances that require a bit more of a gritty um, forechecking presence. And the more scoring presence, you can put Bunting up there. At the same time, what we saw last year with Sheldon Keefe was that he ended up moving a lot of uh, that left wing yeah. um, especially because it was Zach Hyman too, right? And the skill set that Hyman was able to bring, he can put him up with Matthews and Marner. Um, and he would produce, and he could put him on the third line with Kerfoot and Mikheyev, and, and and he would produce. It's also nice to be able to kind of be able to switch positions. So Andre Kashi is actually that one player. I think that Kashi could play either side, so there's an injury replacement in case, um, and I really should qualify that. Kashi has a lot of history with injuries. If he's healthy, he will help Toronto, and he could end up stealing that first line left wing. But health is always a big problem, um, and, and I'm not confident enough that he can play there for the entirety of the season without getting hurt. Um, but for me, the most intriguing player, I think, is probably Josh Hosang. Josh Hosang probably um, complements Tavares and Nylander, and my assumption is that they're going to go with Matthews and Marner at the front, Nylander and Tavares on the second line, and Hosang probably complements that skill set the best. All three players that we're talking about, Bunting, Hosang, and Richie, have defensive liabilities. Coaching staff and the people that signed them, they understand that and have to acknowledge that. So that's not why they were signed. They were signed because they offer complementary skill sets to whatever they currently have on their roster. Um, in an ideal world, we would see Matthews driving his own line. We would see Matthew, uh, sorry, Marner driving his own line. Matthews has proven that he can do it. Marner, I think, would struggle to to 
try to drive play on his own line. I think that Nylander and Tavares could probably do it separately, but they're just so much better together that I think it's a natural fit to make them as a second pairing. Um, so that audition on the left side, I think what we're going to see is a rotation throughout the season with Bunting probably starting, Cache overtaking if he can stay healthy, and a rotation between Richie and those two players on the first line. And then Josh Hosang as an almost permanent, on, under the assumption he makes the team, second line left winger. Um, and then the rotation starts again in the third and the fourth lines. Okay, so I want to go back over a couple of things you threw out there. First of all, the, the Kasha thing, um, I, you know, when, when I'm saying I don't know where the fit is for some of these guys, they're NHL players. There's no, that's not Absolutely. an issue for me. They're, they're NHL players, and, and if they didn't make the lease, they'd make somebody else and then continue on fine NHL careers. I just My concern about Kasha is do you think he can play the full sheet of ice at that pace? So out of the players that we're all discussing, Kashi is probably the most defensively mature. In fact, that's one of the reasons probably why Boston ended up picking him up from Anaheim. In Anaheim, he was kind of struggling with uh, just the type of players that they have in the system that they were playing. But when he was plugged into Boston, that is much more mature and much more healthy defensively. Um, you could see that he was a positive reinforcement on that. So Kashi, I think you would get a best two-way performance out of. Nick Ritchie, I think, would struggle the most defensively, but at the same time, too, he's probably the closest skill set to Zach Hyman that Toronto picked up in the offseason that could potentially move over into that left-wing role. So if the point is to get the puck to Matthews and Marner, and my assumption is they're going to keep these lines the same, then Ritchie is a bit more of a natural fit there. Kasha is actually probably the best player, but, you know, there's a rotation that he can probably move through. And and similar to what, like, Keith was using Hyman with last year, you know, if, if the line is struggling, throw Kasha on there. He'll provide a spark and a lift and a little bit of scoring opportunity and prowess and et cetera, et cetera, while being defensively mature. So I think all three players have their own specific um, things that they bring to the table. Kasha is probably the most rounded, but Bunting is the most offensively gifted of all those players. Okay, let's go back to something else you said about Marner driving his own line. I mean, they're not set up to do this. Uh, their third line is the shutdown line, uh, and the fourth line is sort of an energy line. But I agree with what you're saying because it sort of reminds me of what Detroit used to do years ago when they had the three lines that would score, and the fourth line was the grind line that, that was very complementary to, to everything else. I mean, literally, they have the bodies to do that. They're just not thinking that way, are they? I don't really think so, especially when you bring in a guy like David Camp, who's absolutely going to be one of the shutdown players. So now you have to find ice time for him. So yeah. if you have a third line, though, with a Marner on it, who already plays on the penalty kill and understands a little bit of the defensive structure, I'm, I, I struggle a lot with everybody telling me how good defensively Marner is. I don't tend to agree with that. I think that he puts himself in a position where he doesn't hurt his team defensively, but I don't think he's that great a defensive player. But if he has to drive his own line defensively, and you have a shutdown player in David Kemp that can kind of do that, now what you're forcing the opposition to do is pick a line. Who are you going to cover? Are you going to cover Matthews? Are you going to cover Tavares and Nylander? Or are you going to cover Marner's third line, which is a lot more dangerous? Having said all that, if you move Marner down into the lineup, he's playing with a very different level of competition. And so you have a bit of a hybrid shutdown offensive line right. that can really strike hard when you're not really expecting it. Now, as we've seen in the playoffs last year, if teams start to key in on Marner's specific play, they can shut him down a lot easier than they can a Matthews or, an, or a Tavares-Nylander pairing. So now we have to kind of go back. Can Marner really drive his own line? There's a lot of, of positives to doing that, but I don't think that Toronto is going to be 
at least entertaining the idea of splitting those two stars. I just don't see it happening. Um, I want to go back to what you said when, when you're describing the, the winger's role on, on those top two lines. And the guy that I kept thinking of as you were describing who that player would be is Mikheyev. I mean, he if he was if he could mature a little faster, if he could find some scoring range, literally he has all the other attributes. He just gets in on goal and, and tries to deke or the, the backhand gets flubbed. Uh, it's, it's frustrating to watch. But if he could take that next step, he would be the guy, wouldn't he? Kind of wonder if that might have been one of the reasons why he uh, allegedly asked for a trade over the offseason. He's probably thinking, you know, why why can't I play in that spot? Why can't that spot be specifically for me? He's quick enough. He's yes. smart enough defensively. Um, he, I, I, he may lack a little bit of the grit that a Hyman or, or a player that they want to have as a, a an ardent forechecker is there, but he makes it up with good sticks and positioning. So I, I'm actually okay with giving Mikheyev an audition up front, especially if it really does produce everything, because then everything starts to fall into place. You could put Hosang in the second line left wing. You could put Bunting and Richie because they could both play on either side and David Kemp in the middle. And now you kind of have a makeshift offensive line with a good solid forechecking and defensive element. There's lots of possibilities if they do want to move Mikheyev up onto that left wing spot. I wouldn't be surprised to see if that happens closer to the end of the preseason as more of a test. Let's see what happens here but if we don't see it in preseason then i don't think that the idea of moving mikhaev up is in the cards if we can't see it on the ice right now as long as they can test it um, then i don't think we'll see it during the regular season it's funny to watch this because once something sort of identifies itself it, it has a ripple effect and and makes life a lot easier so now that we know that that bunting is a regular maple leaf it sort of simplifies the decision-making. If Mikheyev was able to make that step, that would make it crystal clear um, how this could go. And, and earlier on, I was trumpeting that maybe Nick Robertson could be that guy, but I'm not convinced anymore. Yeah, I think that there's still some seasoning required for Robertson. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those players that takes a few games somewhere in the minors and just works through some of these little issues. And you know, you never know. He could be one of those players at the trade deadline that you actually bring up and enhances your lineup rather than going and expending an asset to bring in a player that may not necessarily perform the way that you expect them to perform. Nick uh, Nick Foligno last year, you know, all the power to him. They spent the first round pick. They expected certain things out of him. He got hurt and wasn't able to perform. Well, if you have a player that you have in your in your roster that you know that you can kind of bring up and provides a little bit of flexibility, you have to absolutely give him the chance. Now, on that specific point, I don't know whether or not you'll see Michael Bunting as a full-time NHLer. I still have some reservations really? on that. Absolutely. There are absolute traits, character traits in his game that deserve to give him that um, that full-time role. But he got a full-time role in Arizona because there weren't no other players. Now in Toronto, when there are options and 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 a competition to try to maintain that stability and to maintain a, a, a hold on that line. You know, that there's there's different elements here. So I'm not convinced that Bunting is going to be a full-time NHL or let alone a full-time first-line winger. There's wow. still a lot to kind of move through. And, and you know, you don't go and sign Nick Ritchie only to have him to being um, a third-line winger without trying to enhance competition up front. So there's still lots of questions that we have not yet discussed going into the season. 
Okay, well, let's go through this. I mean, I'm going to give you my lineup, and, and I'd, I'd like you to pick it apart. I have Richie with Matthews and Marner. I have Bunting with Tavares and Nylander. On the third line, I have Kerfoot, Kampf, and uh, Kasia slash Mikheyev, and whoever isn't on that line drops down with with uh, uh, Spezza and uh, Simmons. Uh, and uh, so that means that people like Brooks, Engvall, uh, Hosang, Gusev, uh, and uh, I'm missing the name here, uh, Robertson, yeah, are all out. I mean, there, there's some big decisions there. There absolutely is. And that kind of goes into the same uh, idea of using a rotation. So what we have is players that, um, like, for instance, Pierre Engvall. Pierre Engvall has proven that he can play defensively well enough to be a regular NHLer. Yet you look at the lineup here and you say, well, where does he actually fit? That's right. At the, at the same time, they... They did a whole song and dance about going and picking up Jared McCann so that they can keep Kerfoot in the roster. But again, you look at the roster and you go, well, where does he actually fit? So well, Kerfoot, yeah. Kerfoot's good because he provides some flexibility. So whether he's a lower roster guy, and that's kind of where I think he is, um, he might play up in the first or second line as an audition, but I don't consider him to be a permanent player there. So I think that you see a bit of a rotation between Kerfoot and Engvall. Engvall had a little bit of a tough time getting into the lineup when Keefe was not necessarily on his side. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him as being a replacement level forward. Kerfoot, who makes way too much money to sit out. So I don't see him being out of the lineup. So that gives us a Kerfoot, Spezza, Simmons fourth line. That's what I would expect. I would expect Kasha to kind of be in a rotation somewhere on that third line along with uh, um, Mikheyev. Well, I guess Mikheyev and Kampf kind of yeah. kind of make up that, that the other parts. I would pencil in Josh Hosang on the second line left wing and Nick Ritchie and Bunting kind of in that first line left wing role. If Ritchie is bumped down, so either of those two players play first line left wing. The one that is not plays on the third line left wing, which kind of bumps McKayev down too. Now, yeah. having said all of that, we don't know whether or not there's something in the background, which I still think McKayev might end up being moved. Um, he's a prime asset that would actually return a very good return. So it wouldn't be, it would be stupid of Toronto not to at least explore his value on the market, leave that roster spot open because now you can just trade him for a draft pick or futures or whatever the case is, um, or a prospect and not really have any impact on your roster. I like the fact that they've kind of solidified that shutdown role with camp. And it's now just a matter of placing players where they want. Um, yeah. And then it kind of comes down to where's where does Jason Spezza fit in all of this? Last year he played ten minutes and had a lot of success offensively. I mean, how can you put a player like that on the fourth line, knowing that he's just so dynamic and when they're on the ice, they're scoring with him. So it, it I think that there are still some lower roster questions um, and some juggling that Keith has to do in order to keep all those six players in line. Yeah, so I'm just going to go backtrack over what you said. I, I believe that somebody has to be moved out. Um, you know, for me, Kerfoot is is sort of like, uh, and not not don't take this literally. Uh, he has Zach Hyman in in the way that Zach Hyman can play on any line. Not going to play the same, but Kerfoot has the ability to play on any one of those four lines and excel. Problem with Kerfoot is it's 3.5 billion for the next two years, and you know, and, and it's not a judgment on him. The, it, then, then we become uh, talking about Alex Kerfoot's contract, and uh, you know, I I don't know exactly how that plays out. But having said that, if one of those centers was to go down with an injury and they didn't have Kerfoot, that would be a problem. So it's a juggling act, right? Um, uh, Mikheyev for me is uh, is interesting in that uh, two years from now he might be the guy, but 
they need that guy now. So I don't know exactly. He's going into a, a you know, the expiring year in his contract and it's going to want more. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, uh, Mikheyev and, and Engvall are, are interesting hockey players. Uh, but my sort of train of thought for the Leafs is not really a developing situation. Have to win now. So that, that's where asset management clicks in. And my I differ on Hosang. For me, I, I think he's really, really impressive. But I think he needs some time on the Marlies. So I, I, I see a contract for him. I see him on the Marlies, and I see him reappearing later in the movie. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that actually could be quite possible, too. And, you know, I have a feeling that that might be a little bit more based on roster rather than ability. Because Yeah, oh, yeah. Because that second line, they can score in bunches, and all you need is a complementary winger to be able to do that. It's not like they had a Zach Hyman or a star player on their side last year. It was just a rotation of wingers. So if the rotation has a, a, a solid skill set that complements those other two players, I think that it would be massively successful. At the same time, a little bit of the flexibility of putting Hossein on the Marlies is leaving that roster spot open and giving those other players the ability to win those spots outright. So if Bunting really puts himself into a position where you can't take him off that first line left wing, you could easily slide um, a Nick Ritchie onto that second line. And now you have a bit more flexibility. You could even put Hosang on the fourth line. If you make enough of a move, I'm assuming that Mikheyev would be traded so that you can kind of start a little bit of that little rotation. In the end, I think Hosang will eventually be a Leaf. Um, he will a Toronto Maple Leaf, not necessarily yeah. a Toronto Marley. Whether it's this year or not, it's to be determined. I think that he deserves a spot on that second line. But to your point, he he does need a little bit of seasoning. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him starting off on the Marlies. I just think that we're not going to see any type of permanent solutions on that left side, at least for 20, maybe even 30 games. There's going to be a long audition process to make sure that the Leafs have the balance that they're looking to uh, um, um to achieve you know it's funny i think that in the end the combination of michael bunting and nick ritchie both those skill sets add up to a one zach hyman yeah so and, and, and because you brought up his name i have to i have to say this for lee fans he is going to have Zach Hyman a marvelous season at edmonton there's nothing you can do to stop it get used to hearing about it it's going to happen you know that he's just that he's become I, I want to make sure to put this in the right context. Zach Hyman was a plugger, grinder, very capable, lower roster player when he joined the Toronto Maple Leafs. He left the Toronto Maple Leafs as a bona fide number one line player with scoring touch, developing a skill that really took a lot of off ice um, and practice development. And he's a fantastic story for that. It's not common for a player to enter from a grinding level and develop that type of skill so you're right he's going to smash having said that though um i mean it, you always have to find that very next zach hyman right that, zach that's hyman right could be michael bunting we don't know maybe it goes into a different different element so uh, as long as under the assumption the same management group is here they are looking for players that they can develop into those roles knowing that at some point in time an unrestricted free agency offer is going to come and they're going to end up losing them. But if they can develop them, get some uh, immediate help, and then potentially get some asset help down the road, that's the way that you build your team. Okay, let's close on the blue line because I'm, I'm going to keep bringing this up. 
Uh, I, the Rasmus Sandin situation still bothers me. I know he's great on the power play. He has all kinds of offensive upside. For me, it's the five-on-five five play, especially with the puck in his own zone. Uh, when I watch him play, I get I get the, when the puck hits his stick, I get it to a half steamboat. Uh, to me, that's too long. The puck has when it hits the stick has to move immediately because then he becomes a target. Uh, what do you think about that? That's actually kind of kind of similar to what I was thinking too. It, it takes a long time to adjust to NHL pace, and even when we look at it from the percent uh, perspective of juniors or developmental, um, even going to the AHL, it's an exponential jump. Going from the AHL or any minors to the NHL is an even higher exponential jump. So that half a second, that half a steamboat, that that yeah. that microsecond of a thought could be the difference whether you're moving the puck out or it's in the back of your neck. So while I think that that is a positive as far as um, development goes, because I just think that it's part of that development curve, we need to see a little bit more um, real-world results this season in order for him to really show, yeah, five-on-five, I'm better to go. Having said all that too, though, Toronto has improved immensely defensively last year. We might look at it from the goaltending perspective, but Keith has done a phenomenal job putting some kind of systematic cues in place for teams to know, or at least for the players to know that we're in a a defensive situation. The point of being in a defensive situation is to get the puck back. Sandine does that better than I think we give him credit for. Having said that, the issue is pace. So with him, it's pace. The rest of the defense has other questions. For instance, is Hull a second line, uh, sorry, a second pairing defenseman? Probably not, but he's getting great results with Jake Muzzin, so you keep that in place. Riley and Brody's already established. Those are the guys that you're going to end up running with, which kind of means that either Morgan Riley's going to be re-signed, which means that somebody's going to have to get moved out in order for that to occur. Or Morgan Riley is moved out at the trade deadline. And if that happens, how do you replace a guy like that? So I think that the defense for the first two pairings are pretty much set. That third pairing is going to be a rotation. I I wouldn't be surprised to see Sandin get a much more evolved role, but he needs to show that he could play at NHL pace before you can give him extended minutes at five on five. Yeah, well, they need him. They need him to take the next step. Otherwise, they're in a bit of a problem, aren't they? There's no choice. And even if, and you know, I like, I like the idea that they can replace Morgan Riley with Sandine, but they're not the same player. They're not the same skill set. The reason Morgan Riley was so good with Toronto over the last few seasons is because he thinks he's a forward. He's been playing as a forward essentially since junior. When he was playing with Moose Jaw, there was no support up front. He did all the offense. He carried the offense entirely. He did something similar with Toronto over the course of these last two years. And then when Matthew showed up, all of a sudden there's much more balance offensively. He doesn't need to do that. So that complementary feature that Morgan Riley provides is not there with Rasmus Sandin. So I'm not sure that he's a replacement for rather than just a solid defenseman that they can plug into their lineup. If they replace Riley, it has to be with a much more better player than a Rasmus Sandin. Okay, on the way out, let's give your uh, McKean's Hockey Book a plug. There's, you've got a new edition out for the, the, the season, to launch the season. How do people get this? That's correct. So you can go to McKean'sHockey.com and become a subscriber. The subscriber allows you to get this year's edition of the yearbook plus all previous years. Um, if you're a prospect junkie, there's tons of prospects and gra- uh, draft guides, so they're all available on the site as PDF downloads. All of the um, 
all of the content except for the articles within the yearbook are all available on the site as well. The one thing that we didn't do this year, which we had done in previous years, is we didn't include any scouting profiles. That was one of the bread and butters that really made McKean's um, unique over the course of the years. Um, when analytics kind of came into play, that started to ease a little bit just because scouting became less of a focus. But if you go to McKean'sHockey.com, you'll see tons of new content. We have a brand new set of writers that are already established within uh, the writing community. And, and we're going to provide tons of new content going forward. I'm excited for this particular season. And if anybody else is as excited as I am, visit McKeenshockey.com. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate, uh, appreciate it very much. My pleasure as always, Jim. Thank you. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross. We're going to go out with three yes guy, no guys. Peter Maraza could be better than advertised. Oh, yes guy. He has looked very sharp. My goodness, a goalie that can catch. <laughs> be a little sarcastic there. He is, I mean, this is like sort of a hybrid, right? I mean, he's not uh, the butterfly all the time reading the play. So that's an emphatic yes guy. Yes guy, no guy number two. You're sold on bunting, but maybe not the rest of that massive audition on the left side. No guy. I like the numbers here. I'm, bunting is definitely a maple leaf. He plays at the right pace, and I'm sure they're going to work out the rest. They've got enough numbers there that they should be able to do this. So I'm going to say no guy. Yes guy, no guy number three. Keeping Kerfoot may be the best offseason move the Leafs made. Oh, that's a yes guy. I mean, not Zach Hyman, but he can do what Zach Hyman did, and that is excel and help every line, every one of the four lines he plays on. Kerfoot is an absolute Yes, guy. Hope you enjoyed Leafs Guy episode 58. Hope you come back next week for episode 59.